Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Because Money. Now, here at Because Money, every episode is special. I think you know that. I think we know that. And um, But this one is especially special because we're kind of flipping the script. Instead of having guests, we are turning our hosts into guests. Not just because we couldn't find a good guest for this week. No, don't think that that's true. Because the truth is, our guests, Sandy Martin and John Robertson, our wonderful hosts, have invented something really cool that we're going to talk about today. And um, I'm actually really excited. Sandy sent me a version of it, and it kind of blew my mind. So we're going to be talking a lot today about um, investing, specifically investing with robo-advisors. And then we're going to talk about this fun tool that, well, I'm going to say it's fun. I'm, I can say it's fun. You can. I'm that kind of guy, right? Yep. Um, this fun tool that they invented uh, to help you pick the right robo-advisor for you. Um, but before we get into that, before we get into the world of robo-advisors, for those of you that are maybe a little bit new at investing, or maybe those of you that have been investing for a long time, but when it really comes down to it, feel like you don't know anything about investing at all, which is okay, totally understand that. Um, we're gonna get John to give what he's promised is gonna be a two minute kind of history summary of investing. Um, a lot of people couldn't do this. I don't think, I definitely couldn't do this. But John is the perfect guy to do this. And I'll give him a little bit of a plug before because we don't get to plug each other enough. Um, John, before I met him, um, I read his book, The Value is Simple. I was given it for Christmas, two Christmases ago. It was a lovely Christmas. And because I'm um, a bit of a nerd, I sat down and I read it, most of it that night, and finished the next, of it, the next bit of it on Boxing Day. And it was a lovely Christmas, one of the best books about investments, that I, uh, investing that I ever read, especially for me, who at the time knew, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to round it up to nothing about investing. I think that's, that's fair. Um, so John is the perfect guy to ad-lib Inve uh, intro deduction, an introduction to investing at any time. If you see him on the street, just point at him and let him go. So we're going to put two minutes on the clock, John, and you're going to give us a little, uh, little starter guide to investing. Okay. So the main thing to understand when it comes to investing is that investing is important. Uh, it's a very long-term thing, so investing isn't important for breakfast tomorrow. But if you want to have breakfast when you're 85 and not working anymore, then investing today is going to be important to make sure that you have the money to do that later. Now, we've all heard the story of the grasshopper and the ant and whatnot. And if you put money away, have some savings like the ant does in the fable, then you have something to live off of for the future. But you can't just put stuff away because if you're putting away a grain of wheat like the ant does or a dollar under your mattress, then every dollar you want to spend later has to come from a dollar saved today, which is a really hard way to do things. It requires a lot of cutting back in your budget today in order to make it in the future. And we've all kind of heard this sort of mysterious 10% of your savings number as being sort of good enough. Well, the only way you get that is if your money is growing and investing. And even then, that number is probably too low, but that's a whole other episode. So uh, to get your money growing, you need to be investing. And you can do investing in a large number of ways and be successful at it. You can put a lot of work and effort into it and invest in yourself in a business. Um, you can become an entrepreneur. You can invest in real estate. Uh, but the most common way that is fairly hands-off for lots of people is to invest in stocks and bonds. Now, investing directly in stocks and bonds requires a fair bit of knowledge and a fair bit of work. So you can clump them together and buy them in a mutual fund. 
And there's lots of different ways to get a mutual fund. You can go to your local bank branch or retail uh, mutual fund dealer, and they will sell you a mutual fund, and they'll take a hidden commission on the side. The thing is, those are full of fees, and those fees are going to eat away at your returns. So the fees may sound relatively low in percentage terms, typically, let's say, uh, 2 to 2.5% two in Canada. Uh, but if you're only expecting your gains to be something like 6 to 8%, that 2.5% fee is a huge portion of the returns you're hoping to get. So minimizing your fees lets your investments grow more and more, gives you more money down the road. And fees you know in advance, if you read the prospectus at least, and you can uh, control them by shopping around for lower fee investments. So lots of people, such as myself, like to uh, promote low-fee do-it-yourself investing using mutual funds or their very close cousins, exchange-traded funds, which are basically mutual funds you can buy over a discount brokerage. So I've written a book, I have a course, and help people become do-it-yourself investors, but not everyone wants to put in the time to be a do-it-yourself investor, has the interest in doing it. And so the other ways of doing that is to hire someone else to do it for you. And up until a couple of years ago, there wasn't a great option to hire someone else to do it for you unless you had lots of money. Lots of uh, bespoke investment portfolio managers wouldn't even take your call if you had less than $500,000 to invest with them, which excludes a large number of middle-class Canadians who are looking to save for their retirement. The other option was to go to these uh, bank branches or retail mutual fund dealers and pay high fees to get uh, your investing going. And that's better than nothing, but it's still not great. So these robo-advisors, and we'll talk about how specific that term is, but these robo-advisors have emerged starting about two years ago. And it's a great option to fill that sort of missing middle for people that don't want to go really, really low cost, but put in the work to do it themselves. And those don't have enough money to go to a bespoke investment firm. And even people who do have lots of money, a robo-advisor can still be a great option. So what they'll do is they'll invest in the ETFs for you. They'll manage all the purchases, all the rebalancing, creating a diversified portfolio that suits your needs. And all you have to do is basically write the checks or, you know, robo and internet now so it's going online to your bank and sending the money with a uh, direct transfer or bill payment but still you just basically give them the money and they handle the investing part and they take a small fee so then you're still paying something but it's a lot better than those uh, retail mutual fund fees that we were talking about and then you're getting some value for that money and it's very transparent what that value is so I really like this model for a lot of people. I think some people can still do the DIY. Some people might want uh, more hands-on human interaction if they have lots of money and can pay for it. But for lots and lots of people, the middle road of robo-advisors can be a great way to go. Then the next problem is that there are lots of them and they keep coming out and comparing them is quite difficult. And I'll turn it over to Sandy to talk about the comparison. Sorry to jump in. Before we jump yes. into the, the whole crazy world of comparison, just because I, because I'm going to make lots of guilty confessions over the course of Because Money and over the course of the next half hour together. Um, RoboAdvisors is not something I know a ton about. You know, Sandy and I have a, a longstanding date to talk about RoboAdvisors and for her to tell me everything, but she's a very busy and important person, and that hasn't happened yet, so I'm just going to use this time to ask all of the questions that I may have. Um, and, and one of the ones that comes out right away with the, with the name RoboAdvisors, you talked a little bit about how they're different from the bank, but... If I've developed a deep, deep distrust of robots over the years, thanks to the Terminator movies and you know many other situations where artificial intelligence world the world ruined the world, um, 
and I don't like, is a robo advisor a robot? Is it, is that what it is? Is, is, the, is the choice between a bank and a real person and a robo advisor a robot that manages my money? Or is, or is that not how it works? Definitely not the difference between the bank and the robo advisor. So just to give you perspective, if you wanted to walk into a bank tomorrow and say, I need a, a diversified portfolio of these asset classes, they're going to sell you something prepackaged that their algorithms will automatically rebalance for you, that their algorithms have selected. I mean, it's, there's That's, what human the That's what the bank will do. And they'll charge okay. you 2.44% okay. for it. Um, with robo-advisors, the regulatory landscape right now, I like throwing that phrase into everything. The regulatory <laughs> landscape right now is that there's still you, if you want to open an account with most of the robo-advisors, there are some caveats on there, but most of the robo-advisors, you have to speak to a human being who is a registered portfolio, in a, like a regulated role, you know, all of those things, there's backstopping and everything else, um, to make sure that what you're getting into is suitable for you. And so it's, Almost exactly the same things are happening with a human and an algorithm and your money, whether you go in person to a bank or you go to a robo-advisor online. Okay, so um, that's really interesting. So the, the idea of setting up the portfolio is similar between a robo-advisor and a bank. So why are the fees so different? <laughs> well, for the, so for one thing, banks have locations and salaries to pay and they do all sorts of things that aren't just they're not just kind of they can't just create efficient processes around this one product that they sell okay um yeah. and for another there's like what five six banks in canada and they don't have to why would they ever need to change their fees because nobody else is so they charge what they can charge and they have to pay salaries and then they have to compensate the people who are selling specifically the mutual funds you have to make sure that, and this isn't just the bank model, but a large portion of that 2.44% MER is going to go to pay for somebody to sit in front of you and give you advice. And when you say sitting, you literally mean sitting. So there's an office location where you can go and sit, whereas now with the robo-advisors, you do all this online. You're still, you're still a human on the other side of the computer that you're talking to, but it's online or over the phone. Yeah which allows them to, um, which is one of the things that allows them to lower their fees and pass that savings on to you, the first time or savvy investor. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, yet again, because of my deep distrust of robots and things that are named like robots, I think that another question around robo-advisors is always, because it's online, because it's a new kind of technology, because it's not your bank, is it safe? Is it safe to entrust my money with this company that seems new, um, doesn't have a branch, doesn't have that kind of like security that a bank communicates? Um, so the safety question comes up a lot and it's, it's a good thing to ask and to understand. Uh, so first off, there are a number of ways that people might be concerned that their money is not safe. And the biggest risk to your money in investing is the investing itself because all the all the disclosures and information you read is you know the little asterisks. Uh, this you know involves the risk of loss. You may lose yeah. money investing, and that is the risk. There could be another uh, market crash and you lose some of your money in a market crash. If you're invested in an individual security, that individual security might go even all the way to zero, as some companies do from time to time. So you can lose money in your investments, and the robo advisors don't change that. 
So they're still investing in stuff and the stuff can lose money. So that is the main risk to worry about. There's also the risk that uh, the robo-advisors might run away with your money and people are a little concerned about that when they're you know, sort of hinting at, well, they don't have a history and they don't have this and that. So that is really not a concern because they all have what's called a custodian broker. And so the custodian is gonna be the one that's actually holding your money and doing the investments and the robo-advisor is then telling the custodian, hey, here's where I want you to invest my money and then the custodian is gonna come in and actually do the trades on your behalf and following the instructions of the robo advisor, but they can't just take the money out of the custodian and you know, escape to a non-extradition country with it. And uh, the custodian broker is then also a member of the CIPF, so then there's some insurance there. That's the uh, Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Uh, and so then you just wanna check that your uh, robo advisor does indeed have a custodial relationship with a broker that is a CIPF member, but as far as we're aware, they all do. I, I love that you specified a non-extradition country. Like, that's the level of detail that makes you great at what you do. That it's just like, you didn't just pick a random tropical country. You were like, no, if you're going to run away with somebody's money, <laughs> pick a non-extradition country. Do your treaty homework, friends. <laughs> <laughs> if you learn anything from today. Okay, so um, you mentioned before that there's a bunch of robos out there. There's a bunch of people calling themselves robo-advisors. It's um, something that's been around in the States a little bit longer than in Canada, but in Canada, we have quite a few options. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about robo-advisors in Canada, Sandy, and just kind of like, uh, they all kind of go around to the umbrella of robo-advisor, but just talk a little bit about how there's, there's a bit of difference in, in what they are and, and what they offer and how they function. Yeah. Well, so... <clears throat> There's a couple of things that I could say there. The first one is we had to be, we had to editorialize a little bit when we created this when you're calculator. Yeah. So for example, we yeah. have steady hand included. I don't think anybody would look at steady hand and say, well, that's a robo advisor because, because as John alluded to in his little kind of two minute blurb, there's a lot of things you could say a robo advisor is or isn't. And you can't really nail that definition down. So we decided with a calculator, our, editorial choice was to say, as long as there's a fairly low minimum, so kind of anybody could invest. Okay. I think the highest minimum is $10,000 for the people mm -hmm. we've included. Um, so low minimum, you have to be able to access, even if they end up sending you some things, kind of paperwork that you have to mail back to them, some of them still have that, um, but you have to be able to not go into any location. One of the taglines that we flirted with and didn't use was invest without pants. So, yeah. so, so okay, so we, so again, it doesn't mean like, I mean, you could, presumably you could invest online with your bank and not have to go in anymore. Yeah. That doesn't make them, in our opinion, a robo-advisor. Anyways, um, so the robo-advisors really, I think, I always visualize them on a spectrum of kind of do it yourself and then do it yourself plus a little bit of help from the robot or the person and the yeah. robot together um, all the yeah. way up to you're not involved at all. You just hand them your money and then they're going to invest for you and you don't have awesome. to. Um, and then there's also, I mean, those robo advisors, they don't, many of them follow a passive investing strategy. So they fill the asset allocation sleeves. They rebalance when it comes out of, um, when it comes out of balance, obviously. Um, but some of them are, would consider themselves like truly active and, um, invest based on, you know, uh, uh, things other than passive investing, let's For say. For sure. Yeah. And that's one of the, 
the kind of biggest, there's always so many kind of barriers for starter investors and for people trying to get into this market. And, and it, it's the truth, even with robo-advisors trying to limit that, somebody coming into this market still has to face a bunch of different options. And of course, all of them saying that they're great, you know, they're the perfect option for them, but they're, they're different. They're not just a, a cookie cutter version of each other. And so exactly why you guys created this uh, online calculator to say, okay, how do you um, build a criteria to kind of figure out who to start working with? You know, there's, there's these, um, this, big group of people calling themselves robo-advisors. Maybe you like the idea of a robo-advisor, but your specific criteria, things like how much you have to contribute, how much you're starting with, where you live, are all factors in, in starting. So what Sandy and John did was they built this awesome calculator where you can kind of type in some of your numbers and see information in a really cool way. And um, I can't wait for you guys to try it, but we're going to talk a little bit about why they built it and kind of some of the, the processes that went into that That. Um, that building now, and I'm going to keep interjecting with things that I think are really cool about it. But Sandy, why don't you start off with kind of why you built it um, and what you're hoping to do with the tool? I built it to settle an argument <laughs> between like me and somebody else. When, like, in the, I think in 2014, when like Nest Wealth and Wealth Simple and Wealthware were <laughs> the only ones available, um, somebody. <laughs> Who shall really? No, it was Rob. It was Rob Engel from Boomer Echo. <laughs> he wrote a post that was like, "Well, I," I he, and he did. He did kind of well based on these criteria, and I've averaged it. He, you know, it, it was all really well reasoned. But he said that kind of in all those cases, Wealth Simple wins. It's the best one because it's the cheapest for this kind of investor. And anytime anybody, it's not just Rob. Anybody says this is the best. Full stop. Put a pin in it. And I don't think yeah. that's really his opinion, by the way. I mean, that's it, just obviously no. Um, I always kind of get really agitated. So I built the spreadsheet to, to like, okay, well, look, if this is true, then this is right. But at this break-even point, then this um, – so that's why yeah. we built it. But also be, just for my own use, I mean, I have a lot of clients that come to me that want to know what their options are. And and I want to be able to tell them intelligently, and I find it very diff- – other people – John is like a super genius. So he can probably look at, you know <laughs> – the on like facts on each one of the robo advisor sites and they're like, well this part this is the amount we charge for us managing your portfolio yeah. and this is the amount that your portfolio costs. That the amount that the portfolio costs is always buried somewhere else. And then yeah, you have sometimes to sometimes not like I was looking for a lot of it and sometimes I couldn't find it at all. And the only way we found that information was by Sandy contacting <laughs> robo advisors to dig it out of them. Um, like a lot of work went in on Sandy's part to uh, talk with the RoboVisors and figure out all of this information that went into the tool. The soft skills. <laughs> soft skills. Well, and, and I think it's interesting too, because you kind of were talking around the idea that, you know, we, we like to look at things and, and it doesn't matter what financial tool or any tool in general, we want to find the best one, mm. but nobody, no company is trying to make the third best tool. No company out there is being like, Oh, we've got the third best tool. Every company is trying to make the best tool for their ideal client. And so, of course, when you're looking at the things, you're like, oh, that's not the best for me. And this is the completely, Julia was talking about this in, in the episode we did with her too. It's like the financial planner classic answer is it depends. It depends. And it always depends. But it has to. Because when you talk about financial tools, of course, you've got the best tool for this situation and then a whole other tool, which is the best for another situation. And so uh, this 
but it's difficult when you're the consumer, when you're the person looking for a tool to say, this is me, how do I connect to that? And a lot of the time, it, it does help to talk to somebody and just kind of figure that out because your specific situation. And this, this tool helps you do that, helps you say, this is me, which one of these might be the best for me? And John was talking about fees, and that's the next thing. That, the thing that jumped out at me about this tool, which I love, is um, after you set in your information, it'll show you which is the best option for you, and then it'll show you underneath kind of how those options are, the first, second, and maybe there's not all that much difference between the first and the second, but you can see it. And one of the coolest things is you can see the fees laid out. One, over the kind of time frame you were thinking, you define your time frame, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years, and it'll show you kind of the fees that you would pay over that time frame. But then over a year, and what you can see is all the different robos that are represented and their fees matched up against each other, which is just not seen anywhere. You don't get to see your specific circumstance if you went here, 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 and here, and the fees matched up against each other. And it's such a valuable and it's such a valuable thing because it's simple and because everybody keeps saying that it can't be simple or at least they're avoiding the fact that it's simple and, and the disclosure of fees after you know after CRM2, which is like, oh, we're gonna get to see all the fees and then they send things out and you're like, I don't even know where you wrote down the word fee. You just like, <laughs> it's like you wrote like, uh, it's an opportunity bonus. Wait, do I pay the opportunity bonus? Like you're disclosing it, I guess, but it's shifty shifterson. So, um, I love that you see that. I love that it's simple, but I guess the question that comes up in my kind of skeptic's brain is, can, can they do that? Like, can it be that simple? Um, can, so is it, is it just that simple to kind of put those fees against each other, or did you guys have to make a couple of, of kind of, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is it an oversimplification, or can I actually trust that, that, that this, is, this is what I'm looking at? There are definitely a few simplifications in there, but I would not call it an oversimplification. There's a lot of detail that is kept in there. Um, for example, we include three different portfolios as sort of our base or model portfolios uh, that serve as a um, example use case to then fairly compare across them. And you can sort of think of this as being like the uh, highway and city mileage ratings on a car. It's sort of a basis to compare them against, but no one individually is going to have a driving cycle that exactly matches that highway and city driving cycle. Um, so your mileage will vary. And the same thing here. Uh, nobody's going to have exactly a 60-40 fixed income uh, stock split in their portfolio. And these robo-advisors some of them do custom portfolios for every person. Some of them have a menu of portfolios to pick from, but all of them have more than three options. Okay. We only put three options in because that just sort of gives you a general conservative, balanced, aggressive way awesome. to compare them. Yeah. And the differences from those example portfolios to the real portfolio you get are going to be fractions of a percent. Even the difference between the ones that we have there are only a couple fractions of a percent, a couple basis points, as it's called. Uh, so there is a simplification there, but I wouldn't call it an oversimplification. At that level, it really does not matter. You're talking, you know, pennies compared to the dollars. Uh, to get back to a, a point that you were making there about the best one, 
This will show you the cheapest one. <laughs> so it, it talks about the fees, and yeah. there's a filter to help you choose important features for you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the cheapest robo-advisor is the best one for you. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And so then this will help you compare them in a more fair way because it's a lot of work to go through all their websites, look at all their features and all their fees, and try to figure out what works best for you. This way, the fee calculation is going to be taken care of. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to look through, do I like their philosophy? Do I like their uh, services offered? Uh, whatever metric or whatever uh, you use to make your decision as to who is going to get to invest your money for you, uh, you can then look at the fee differences to see what is worth it for you. If one of them offers more planning services, well, you find value in that and pay a little bit more to get it, and then you'll be able to see how much more that is going to cost you. Uh, so it's, I think it's a great tool for that to make the comparison, but that doesn't mean that what comes out on top in the tool is the best one for you. It's a starting point, and that's why all the others are also listed. It doesn't just give one number. It gives one answer and then all the others too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the things that I'm very interested in seeing is creating, like, the commoditization of portfolio management, right? Like as something totally separate from, and not all the, some of the robot advisors offer some layer of advice. Some of them say they're kind of full financial planners or on staff and some of them have nothing. Um, so the idea that there is a price for a kind of a, this kind of portfolio that we think the majority of people will be totally well served with. Um, and what's the price for that? And maybe this is, I mean, I think it's probably going to shake out over time. We're just in the kind of the birth of this here in Canada. I'm really interested to watch how those prices change and how the business models adapt to actual demand and maybe competition from the bigger players in the space. So that that's such an interesting thing. And I, I'm so glad you, you kind of pointed out that clarification because you're totally right. I was talking about the best and it's, and it's so um, I know that in the past you talked about. Oh, we've talked about on the on the on the podcast too. This idea, like there's there's tangible things you can compare, kind of the hard things, and then there's all the the soft, squishy stuff, which is hard to compare, and so we don't talk about it in finance all that much. Um, but it's so important. It's and it's it's just that stuff that's clearly important to you, and and things like the ability to. Um, call somebody up and, and if they have some kind of planning or advice or somebody that can help you and that you click with, maybe you call the customer service and you really love the way they talk and, and there's just, you have a relationship. We can't tell you who you're going to click with and what customer service is going to be the best for you. But, you know, um, nobody can. That's a relationship thing, but it's important. It's hugely important if that's something you're willing to pay for. But the nice thing about seeing the hard aspects kind of laid out in front of you is like John said, it gives you a place to start. It gives you a first person to call. And then if you really don't like them, it gives you a second person to call. And it gives you a, a way to say, um, I'm not like, I'm willing to pay this much more because I get this. And that's the whole thing. Like it's not high fees, low fees. If you're happy paying your high fee, if you like your services and you understand your fee, pay the fee. It's fine. It's not like there's one that's objective, objectively terrible, but it's when you don't know what you're paying for. It's when that simplicity isn't there. It's when you don't feel like you're getting services for that. Um, 
You talked a little bit about uh, some of these offering a financial planning version or financial advice or something like that. There's, there's an aspect of the calculator that offers advanced options. And so you can pick, you know, ones that offer an RESP or ones that offer some kind of form of financial, um, financial, I don't even know what to call it because it's not full financial planning yet, whether or not it is, but it's some kind of connection and advice and, and help. Do you want to talk a little bit about those, um, those advanced options and kind of what's kind of on the menu? Well, that, so the two biggest reasons that we wanted to come out with this version of the calculator, as opposed to the old Google spreadsheet version, one was, we don't want people to have to share and get their information overwritten anymore. Um, But the second one was the the, the spreadsheet, all it did, it didn't have any nuance, really. It was just, look, here are the fees. And we could gray out the ones that didn't, like that, for account minimum, we could make sure that people knew that that one wasn't available or if it wasn't available in Saskatchewan or something, we could communicate that, but nothing else. So yeah. so um, with this new version, we have the ability on the advanced tab to filter for things that are of utmost importance. So um, some of them are, are kind of hard thing or in the... In, in, objective things to filter for. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, not difficult. Um, so like uh, places that offer an RESP that can also administer the BC uh, training and education grant. Okay. That's pretty easy. Do you offer it or do you not offer 100%, it? hundred percent. Yeah. Um, over on the right hand side, there's a list of types of advice that you can get. This That's a little bit softer because everyone, when you call the ro- <laughs> when you call as I have done, <laughs> for two years, the robo-advisors, and you talk about what they offer and what the client experience is, sometimes people will just say, well, yes, we do financial planning. And what they mean is we'll be able to tell you if you are going to buy a house in five years and you need to save $100,000, we can tell you how much you need to save every year. Yeah. Which is some people really need that information. I'm not sure that I would say that that's on the same level as, you know, like a retiree that says, should I take my CPP at 60 or 65? And should I wait to riff my accounts or should I not? Like when you get really, really in depth, I actually suspect that even the robo advisors who say they offer full financial planning, I'll be interested to see what that actually looks like. But yeah, yeah, there's so, so we tried to create sort of an example type of question for each level of financial planning, which is, you'll see it if there's a little kind of a question mark you can hover over and it'll give you that example question um, to kind of help people understand that there are different, that that the robo-advisors specifically say we offer up to here, but no further. So there are places that will just send, not send you away like in a mean way, but just say, you know, we're not set up to answer that kind of question and they'll send you to a financial planner that is set up, right? Right. And vice versa, you might be with a financial planner who is a, you know, the only planner doing the planning part, but they can't do the investment management. So they can say, okay, you should be invested in this kind of asset class mix. And they can't get any more specific than that. They can't tell you specific names and they certainly can't take your money and do it for you. Uh, So then they can work with you to help find a robo-advisor that will fill that part of your need and then continue to do the detailed planning with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another tool. Um, and I think that the last question that, I, that I, I'd i love to kind of hear your, your guys' opinion on is just who, who's it for? Who, who should consider 
looking at robo advisors. John talked a little bit about that in uh, his in his uh, investing kind of summary, but it's clearly like a lot of their marketing is definitely slanted towards millennials, um, or at least it seems like it. Maybe that's just because the ads in my news feed are slanted towards millennials. So, um, but it, it, you know, who should be really taking a serious look at uh, robo advisors as as an investing option? Uh, let me start by saying there are at anyone <laughs> start with that with the really Perfect. broad answer anyone and then again this goes back to why we created the tool if you have more than 500 or 750 or a million dollars there are loads of people really good people lined up out the door to talk to you about what they can do for you that a robo advisor can't yeah and some of those things are true at a certain place and some of them are not at another place that I mean they're as different from each other as things that are different from each other yeah but for people with less than 500 or even I mean <laughs> people the less and there's a huge range of people in the world with less than five hundred thousand dollars what what <laughs> where do these people exist no. um, <laughs> those people should all be looking at robo advisors every one yeah. of them yeah that's my answer okay John agree yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got DIY products to push too, so I, mean, I should be saying we should look at the two options, but a lot of them are not going to want or be well-suited to be DIY investors, and robo-advisors yeah. are a great backstop for that. And even if they have more than a million dollars, there are the other firms that are out there lined up without the door, as Sandy says, to take their money, but you might want to go with a robo-advisor because it will be still cheaper for you than going with those other services if you don't want the extra uh, service offerings that those people can provide. Yeah. Actually, sorry, one of the things that I worry about most with DIYers, like I don't have anything against people that, that manage their own portfolios at all. I am one of them. But the people that are like diehard DIYers, especially kind of closing in on retirement that are married or with a partner who also relies on that portfolio that they're managing my biggest worry is that there is no continuity so they have all these rules about what they're going to jettison next year with the capital gains is enough or whatever um i like the idea of robo advisors for people who are closing in on retirement who have been diyers but are just kind of ready to to let that go that's really interesting mm -hmm. yes yeah. yeah well if you lovely listener are interested in the idea of robot advisors i feel like you have to start um just with this calculator it's a great it's a free tool you can find it at autoinvest.ca is that right did i nail it, That's right. it. <laughs> and um it's a great tool to play around with it's a great place to start to kind of like have your list of people to call first call some of these people see how it fits get them to explain kind of what their products are how they serve you if it, and i'm sure that if you're using the calculator and you have a few minutes to uh, send a note for with feedback to sandy and john i'm sure that they would love to hear it they've got a contact page at the bottom of the page and so if if um investing without pants is at all interesting to you and I can't tell you how interesting it is to me. Um, check out RoboAdvisors and check out autoinvest.ca for a fantastic tool to help you start that process. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Chris. And I will lean in real close and do the final goodbye. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involves no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.